0: Oh no, your journey has brought you to skiveland, and today there's no mistaking where you are. I'm your host, Alan McDonnell, and my guest is Don Bowles. In the late 1970s, Don Bowles emerged from the desert of the southwestern United States and appointed himself drummer of future punk rock icons, The Germs, a band fronted by long-departed singer-songwriter Darby Crash. Currently, Don is employed as a sort of human instrument, by multi-instrumentalist Ariel Pink. How has Don Bowles bridged the decades separating Darby Crash from Ariel Pink, all while maintaining the perverse aesthetic he winged out here from the desert in 1977? Well, my Skeeveland friends, here comes a whole string of clues. Here we are. Looks like it's working. We're
1: corrupting the files again. Over Let me here. ask you this,
0: Don. What are you up to these days? I mean, I see a lot of stuff.
1: You've Want, uh, me, want me to tell you? Can I say shit?
0: You can say whatever you want. Yeah,
1: I'm doing a lot of shit.
0: you're, Okay, you're mostly good shit. You're drumming for Ariel Pink.
1: So I'm yeah. Well, no, I'm not actually. But you have been up until pretty recently. Well, I'll tell you what happened with that. I was drumming and singing, and then I got kicked upstairs to co-lead vocalist and backing vocalist with with Ariel. And then I invented this way of moving around since I don't even play a damn tambourine anymore because I was so bad at it. They just said, dude, just don't do that. I'm like, okay. okay. <laughs> but I had to do something. So uh, you know, I ran out of James Brown tricks that had worked uh, with the mic stand. And so I do this thing I kind of call it interpretive seething. But well, you're
0: still with Ariel Pink. It's a sharing. free-form
1: sort of movement that apparently – works super well with the ladies also because we're the only two people you can see with all the smoke everyone Mm -hmm. else in the band is just this ghost in the smoke
0: so nice you go all yes so so I'm just I'm just
1: singing up front with Ariel now we do like our Sam and Dave routine you know he's the best songwriter in the world by the way
0: and then uh, later today what are you doing
1: today I've got a radio show I have two radio shows right now two official you know radio shows that I do which ones are they uh, neither of them pay me any money. Oh, that's not nice. No, it's it. In a way, it's good because uh, then all the commercials we play are like weird commercials from the past that don't mean anything anymore. Um, so you get except to do they're what funny. you, want. you get to Yeah, do we get to do exactly want. what we want. That seems to be a
0: lot of times when. Well, you we can't get paid. say sh-
1: we can't say shit like we can't here, oh, but you know, but we don't really need to. <laughs> so where often.
0: where are they? Well, where are the radio shows?
1: So the one today is called Glossolalia, and my partner and I, Professor Cantalope, aka Mitchell Brown. Have been doing this show together for twenty years. At KXLU. KXLU. yeah, it's moved days once, and now and it it expanded an hour a few years ago. So now we're on Mondays from six to eight p.m.
0: And what uh, what's the other radio show?
1: That's called Kitten Sparkles Glitterbox with your hosts DJs Kitten Sparkles, that's me Don Bulls, and Naughty No No, that's Noah Wallace's glam name. And we spin all Junk Shop Glam and Bubblegum 45s. And we have guests that um, are related to these genres and the various topics. And where where
0: can people hear that?
1: That's on dublab.com, 6 to 8 p.m. It's a good time slot, uh, on the third Saturday every month. And then you DJ. Oh, yeah, I do that a lot. We have a club, Noah Wallace and I, have a club called Velvet Tin Mine and we play all Junk Shop and Bubblegum there too
0: and when you tour with Ariel I I know when you're
1: and it's all 45s, too. It's all original 45 RPM, 7-inch vinyl singles. Thank you very much. But then wherever <laughs> you are, there's, there's, you, there's,
0: there's an after party. There's a show, you, you play the show. Well, that's
1: the to... thing. Yeah, with Ariel. Okay, this is so great because my band shares a lot of the same musical tastes as I. They just haven't gone and dug at dug in the trenches for the things. But when I find there's them and bring them back, they like a lot of it a lot, like to the point of where I pretty much control the music from when the doors at the show open until the bands play and then after the opening bands and then, you know, up, up until Ariel plays and then, and then we've been starting with the Portsmouth Sinfonia's 2001 Space Odyssey mm-hmm. and the idea, of course, came to us while we were having a little layover in Portsmouth <laughs> and I'm like, I wonder if the Symphonia guy is still here and we end the show with Portsmouth Sinfonia's uh, William Tell Overture an amazing band, you know, the Portsmouth Sinconia. I used to have that
0: record. I got rid of it.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh. I mean, I bought it because Brian Eno was on the cover. Yeah, right? and, it, and what it is, it was an
1: art project of this guy, uh, John, uh, anyway, but <clears throat> this guy that went to uh, the Portsmouth Music School, or Art School, and um, he was the musical director of this group of people doing orchestral classics but they had different degrees of experience. And some of them could play pretty well. They were actually trained musicians. Some of them could kind of play, and others just couldn't play at all. And Brian Eno was there on clarinet, and I doubt he knew a thing about playing clarinet. But, but he looked
0: great right on the cover. He did. He really did. You have there. to kind
1: of really zoom in yeah. there. Yeah,
0: he's in there the whole. There's like all 25 a, people. There's like 25 people there. It'll look like a
1: Warhol screen print, when yeah. you know, like yeah. like if you zoom in enough but to I, see his space And also,
0: I'm sure that's how they got the deal, and that's how the record sold. It's of course. Was on there but right it was right? hilarious,
1: too. And so, but those pieces of music seem to work super well for the set. And the shows have been going. I, I can't so even.
0: you one of the busy- I have
1: no idea why it's so great, but it's so great.
0: You're one of the hardest-working men in, L- in L.A. showbiz.
1: Well, yeah. Uh, it's if it was that hard, I wouldn't do it. You know, yeah. I, I like to take the path of least resistance, the <laughs> most, the, off, the most I can. You know.
0: Now, when you first came to L.A., uh, I the first time I remember seeing you is on the steps of the interior of the Elks Lodge, I believe it was. There was some kind of... Maybe it was a mask benefit or something. Mm,
1: you saw me the first day I moved here.
0: Yes. Wow. And you had... Your hair was like shaved out, like kind of like mine is now. I
1: think I met everybody. Well, you had... but you, that you, day. You, you weren't
0: by yourself, right? You were yeah. With, you were with like three other guys from... from
1: no. Arizona? I was I was by myself, or Rob Graves might have been with me. I
0: think maybe. Because like, <laughs> I remember... With, I don't
1: think anybody else was with me,
0: though. But I remember <coughs> in like... Uh,
1: Unless right it was Poshboy trying to talk me into joining F Word.
0: I think it must have been Rob Graves because right away your your nicknames became the Cactus Heads. Yeah. So it was a collective, the Cactus Heads. Just
1: anyone from Phoenix got called a Cactus yeah. Head.
0: But how? So how? What was your initial reception, and then how did you move through?
1: Well, the initial reception was pretty interesting because, as you may have recalled from the lore of our people, I called Darby and Pat at one point after hearing the Forming single, which David Wiley's friend, or David Wiley had brought back from uh, L.A. on a record foraging run, which we had to do all the time, because you couldn't get these records in Phoenix, even if you knew people at the record stores who would try to order them, they didn't know where to get them, and this and that, and it's like, you had to go to L.A. to get this stuff. So, he brought back a copy of Forming, and I listened to it, and I'm like, this isn't really what I would think of as punk, but maybe I'm just... Wrong. This is crazy, you know. And what it sounded like to me was more like the stuff that came out in England just after that, called the DIY stuff. Mm-hmm. That was like like Danny and the Dressmakers, you know. And and um, so this it, is like
0: nineteen, late nineteen seventy six, probably early.
1: Yeah, but that see that stuff wouldn't come out until like. But Six like forming, years but later, the, the, the DIY forming. stuff, but right, forming, right. it was insane. It's like the vocals were on one channel with a l- bunch of echo on them because somebody didn't know how to work the tape recorder correctly, and they put the sound on sound function on. Like me. And the, and yeah, probably like most people. But you know, spe- it's it, back then, it was odd for someone that was recording your band to not be able to run the tape machine. People had pretty much figured out tape technology, but not high school weirdos like Pat and Darby. So yeah, the sound on sound was accidentally left so on. And then knew. the music's in the other channel, like all the music. And so then so you cut. It's like the Beatles, some yeah. of their some of their records. So they records.
0: knew you were coming out.
1: Yeah, and so so I, I thought it was the best slash worst thing I'd ever heard. Of course, the B side, which was recorded on a cassette at the Roxy from the Up and Smoke set, you know, filming, uh, the germs didn't. They got cut out of it because they were too real in yeah, punk rock. Yeah. So. That was on the B side, and it just was this noise and sludge guitar, and it was insane. It was like throbbing gristle, you know. Mm -hmm. And then glass was breaking over it. It was total chaos and anarchy. People were screaming. It it sounded worse than anything ever, and it was so good. So I called these guys up because Debbie Dub, who was friends with David Wiley, had their numbers, Darby and Pat. I called both of them up, and I'm like, hey. um, my name's Don Bulls, and I heard you guys are having trouble keeping a drummer. You know, Nikki Beat can't do it, and it
0: your like other guys, your other guys, guys, guys can't
1: do it. I don't even know what happened to him. Yeah, uh, sure. heard some bad rumors. <laughs> no,
0: but I think that was the first. The, I think the first time I saw him Cliffhanger
1: was you know, I when that day, or day or when like, I when I met you, Nicky Beat was playing drums mm-hmm. with them, and um, but that's sort of what was going on when I talked to him too, because this is only a couple weeks before, so. It was a lot of good small talk, and then I was asking them what bands they liked. I'm like, so you guys, are are you guys into Faust and like Noy and, you know, the Subway Sect and and uh, or you know? And they're like, well, no, I don't know about those things. How about Roxy Music? They're okay. Eno? Oh, yeah, he's okay. He was in Roxy Music. Okay. um, We like Bowie and Yes. Huh really yeah, well was, and i thought it was
0: bowie i thought then, they
1: were kidding me you yeah. know i thought they'd be into stockhausen and into yeah, like yeah. weird lafms stuff but you know they hated all the hippie art noise as they called yeah. it yeah it's it's just hilarious but yeah but yeah,
0: the guitar player was really i can't remember his name right now but he really loved yes oh pat yeah, yeah pat he could play any yes, yes lick yeah. no problem just like yeah. boom, boom,
1: boom. and then darby so he loved
0: he loved bowie so much do you remember the cigarette butt
1: yeah of course he loved Bowie so much, and he also loved, before that, he liked the oldies because his sister dated cholo guys yeah. and lowriders. Yeah. So it's interesting. That was
0: a common thing here in Los Angeles because I had a similar thing. Like I had. Uh, well, I, From
1: Rosie and the Originals to Aladdin all Sane.
0: <laughs> all, yeah, all that, you know? that. That was a really easy transition. Because there was no Smiths then. And the I
1: mean, Bowie to punk was an even easier transition. Every
0: punk I knew had a Bowie pass. Every,
1: every, everyone every, was glam and then yeah. glam died and everyone's like, wait, but yeah. what are we going to do? Oh, we could do this. It's just glam with like a snarl and a leather jacket. And no, that's, yeah, that's all, all punk is. You got
0: the Vicious with his Bowie t-shirt. Sure. You got, you know, the... the, the and all those guys died, were into glam and that's
1: Bowie. one of the reasons I'm into glam It's probably the same reasons they were. Because it was good. It was good. It was different. It was, was different. the best stuff being cranked out right then in the pop music genre i think and just it just killed everything else and we never got any of it except maybe some of the things got to rodney's english disco yeah. and that's it not all of them so many didn't but we never got really even seven percent of it in the u.s we got bang a gong by t-rex we got the the hockey theme by gary glitter you know mm-hmm. and and a. Uh, uh, Fox on the Run and Maybe something. Mud. And of mud. no, we didn't get any mud here.
0: Well, I got some mud.
1: Well, you did, but did not but, you, know, you were hit.
0: I probably got it forty years later. I, you know, I have some mud now. Right.
1: Well, that's well, yeah. everyone has mud now, but, yeah. but nobody knew about it like twenty years ago. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and except a lot very it was, few people. Lot
0: of it was dismissed. Like Sweet was thought of as a bubblegum pop band. <laughs>
1: of course, they were so overqualified. It's ridiculous. One yeah. of the best bands to ever band.
0: Yeah, and the thing is also people always get the Sweet have one good album. But you just well, like, the thing you is, they have grabbing, so many good singles. Who grabbing, cares albums? Yeah. See, this is
1: the thing people don't grasp about GLAM, too, is it was singles. It was like punk before there was punk. Because it, um,
0: it, it's supposed to live in disco, It was perhaps. punk in
1: every... Well, it, it, was, it was pounding, sort of danceable, and it was played by professional musicians, and the songs were often brill-building kind of guys with product, you know, production songwriting teams, like mm. the sweet guys, Chinachap, yeah. and um, the guys who did Kenny. And that's a really interesting story, and you know there was, there were other production teams too. But what junk shop glam is, which is what I play, and what has just arisen as a as a valid genre here in the two thousands, you know, and beyond, and the 20, 21st century for sure, it's a it's a major it's a major thing, and as, as all being, of a sudden because it never or came or here, it's this because it's it sounds like the sweet like T Rex, like Slade, and like Gary Glitter, but they didn't have any hits you know these guys weren't successful mm-hmm. like those people mm-hmm. were and, and Bowie who you couldn't imitate Bowie he was imitating no. everything else yeah, he is, he is, there was is, no right. Bowie you know he was so invisible you couldn't imitate him yeah, you was, had to imitate one of those big other big four yeah. But it—that's it, what junk shop glam is. These bands so never got to put glam on is, albums. It's all
0: like, they, junk shop glam is all stuff from the nineteen seventies. It's all from
1: the seventies. Yeah. They—they never put out albums. Some did. You know, a couple of the bigger bands got to like Hello and Mud um, mm-hmm. and some bands like that. But you know, it—it it, it wasn't a regular thing. Usually they made a single, made two singles, three, four. Kenny made a bunch, and I think they did put out an album. But there were. You know, uh, there were a lot of singles. It's almost all forty fives.
0: You know, when you—I remember you when you okay get back to early punk, like you know, in the Germs and all this. Stuff. I
1: would have loved this stuff then. I didn't yeah, know about yeah. it because I loved all this stuff. I had a sweet cover band in nineteen seventy nine and eight, 1980. What was that called? The Friendly Stars That Glow.
0: <laughs> you had a lot of. You had a lot we of. We did bands. sweet, you know, not the hoople. You, know. You, you were very quick not to, to jump out of any kind of boxed in image that was yeah per, that was oh I would do just
1: happened. the opposite of whatever that image was because but that's, that's just been, how been, I am but I was just I couldn't help it I had to do that or I would have just felt like a moron you know you have to be your own opposite
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know in a way that you find palatable
0: right it was
1: uh, <laughs> I forget what to do with these things okay <laughs> use them for record weights oh, yeah? glasses yeah yeah I lost my record weight in London I lost my cartridges and my laptop in Vienna. I lost my record trolley, which I desperately need, in Israel. Oh, my God. I guess, you know.
0: I was going to ask you something else about the germs. Oh, yeah, please. Uh, oh, yeah, so Oh, we you were know, back okay. on
1: the day we met again. Yeah. Okay, okay. So I told those guys I was coming out and joining their band. And, they, and I just started playing drums, so I was going to be out there soon. And so they're like, informed, yeah, okay, you, whatever. You informed
0: them you were going to I told them each
1: individually. And Darby kept me on the phone for like two and a half hours. So did Pat for oh, like yeah. an hour and a half. Yeah. And But I kept him on the phone more. Darby kept me on the phone. He was telling me stories about people I didn't know doing really unspeakable things and that were hilarious. I didn't even know these people. I didn't know who Black Randy was. I didn't know how Rick, who Rick Wilder was. I didn't know why it was funny that Black Randy was giving Rick Wilder head outside the, the Franklin Towers, mm-hmm. you know? I, I didn't know why that was funny, but it, Darby told it and made it super funny. <laughs> he was like, you know, I gotta say, that guy was the smartest dude ever, even though he, he tried to come off as being kind of shy and dumb.
0: Yeah, no, he you was a, great, a big loss.
1: Yeah, it, he was an amazingly smart person. And it's like you miss also those.
0: very sensitive. And but Black but he, Randy
1: too. Black Randy, Randy was another Mabin amazingly Mabin smart Mabin person. Mabin
0: like, Randy may have been smarter. Randy,
1: he was just older. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I th- more I don't think he was smarter. He was I think he was older. There. I don't think, I don't think I've met anyone well, just Randy as intuitively had, smart as as Darby. Randy had out, puts Manson to shame.
0: Randy had outsmarted more people in his. You know, in the years that he'd been like working various places, angles like working angles. Randy had yes. worked far more angles than Darby. Darby well,
1: didn't really work that many angles. Darby had issues that Randy didn't have. Yeah. Randy had issues of two. I'm sure Darby yeah. didn't have. But, but
0: Randy was not as sensitive
1: as. as There's a, Darby. a Venn diagram in there somewhere. There's Randy issues, consti- Darby yeah, issues, yeah. and then the combination of both, which is you know, Darndy. But or, they were
0: kind of like the two, like like leading minds of that whole. They whole were. Fucking they area. were the.
1: They they were the poles yeah. of that thing. Yeah. You know they were kind of opposite in a way, but they were super smart. And then after Darby and John Lennon were, you know, uh, were dead uh, that very week, like uh, the like a few days later, maybe two. Everyone went to the Starwood to see Black Randy, and it was f- Darby's death was fresh. Yeah. He had just killed himself. Yeah. This is like December fifth or something. And 3rd, yeah, they're, no, they're, the f- Darby died on December third, I yeah, think. No, Darby died on December fourth. I
0: think. Yeah, the show was something. January thirtieth. Cause they, they, they okay, want, January three. Yeah, because they, they wanted it to be a New Year's <sighs> Eve show, and they missed the fucking date.
1: Oh no. Yeah. Okay, and so and so you were there then. Yeah. Black Randy. No, first David Brown is there at a grand piano with a blue spotlight, playing the introduction to Imagine. Yeah. And then, and then Black Randy comes out with a giant mohawk. With John Lennon wire rimmed glasses, with a long hair kind of wig. No, no, he didn't have a wig. He just had the mohawk, but he had the, he had a vest like a serape hippie vest. That's what that's what it was, and he had like medallions. His hair was
0: kind of long because they've been growing it a long right. time. Right, and he had medallions. Shot, later
1: in the show, it got shaved. Oh, nice, and um, and and he, and a headband. Maybe and, and maybe I don't know, but he comes out and starts singing. Imagine there's no darby. And people just started hurling Heineken bottles at him. It was crazy. He had to go retreat upstairs because yeah, yeah. of the hail of of stuff <laughs> and abuse. But, you know, I thought that was a very powerful meme, it what he did. It was amazing like that he even... Yeah. He could th- He he was an, a unique individual.
0: Well, like we were talking about this whole thing where he refused to be set in the box. He was a little older than us, maybe, but not that much. He like was maybe, a little. But maybe two years. He was and like a of
1: age almost. Yeah, and
0: I think two or three years really mattered at that point. Yeah, it did. And he...
1: Uh, I was the old man of the germs. Yeah. I was 21. Yeah. That I night I, was, I met you.
0: Yeah, I think I was probably... I was either 20 or 21 then. Yeah.
1: Well, well, so... How
0: did, but how did you keep going? Okay, here's okay, the let, thing. Like, like, I... I quit okay, early. I was
1: gonna I was gonna get back to the night that we met real quick and right, finish that on. one yeah. while it was still in my brain. Okay. Uh, that other one, yeah, I got that one. Don't worry, <laughs> and I rehearsed that in case anyone ever asked me. <laughs> but so many times, oh God, so many times. Okay, anyway, so I so I met you that night that I drove here with Rob Graves and I had borrowed a drum set or gotten a drum set from my friend who um, who actually was a Guy had great records. I got all my like uh, avant-garde, improv, free free noise kind of records from him, and all the gong records and a lot of the you know all the all the good stuff, a lot of Sun Ra. But uh, you know, I hated jazz, but I liked this guy's taste, yeah. and, and a lot of a lot of like uh, Evan Parker and, and uh, uh, Derek Bailey and stuff. So so I got I got this drum set that he found out in the rain, the Sonor kit, like their beginners kids set. And um, this was fine for me. I threw it in the car. I had a Chrysler Newport Custom with the longest hood and trunk of any car ever made. And uh, just threw everything and robbed graves in there, bought some symbols on the way with this trust fund money I had gotten because my dad was in the military and I just turned 21. So we headed to LA. And we stayed with the plungers the first night. And then uh, and we went over to their house to change into our, our, our even punker gear. Mm-hmm. And Go to the Elks Lodge. So then we went to the Elks Lodge. People had somehow heard because the germs had the biggest mouths in town, and they had girls, an army of gossipy young girls. Darby didn't. Yeah. God bless them. You know. And uh, <laughs> what do we call and, those uh, the Crash trash.
0: There was another name. There's another. Uh, if it comes to me, I'll spit it out.
1: D- did we call Darby dolls? I don't know.
0: Maybe it's Darby it's something because he, he had. Something. But we called him
1: Crash Trash too. Yeah. And germettes, too, that was another thing. They got called in print by that artist who complained because his studio got decimated by the germettes. It was really a funny letter. It's in the book somewhere. But, yeah, so so I showed up, and everyone knew it was me. I don't know how they knew. They knew I was the drummer guy who came from Phoenix to join the germs. Mm -hmm. And they were just, like, aghast at the idea that somebody would do that. You know, Ladies nobody would do Arizona. that. They thought the germs were terrible. I mean, uniformly, they loved the germs, some of them, but they just thought they were awful and had no prospects of success. And, you know, maybe they were right. But uh, they cornered me in the elevator. Poshboy and Craig Lee and Dimlanker. And I think somebody else, but Lee
0: was, totally was trying
1: to get me into the bags. Rest, yeah. He tried to get me to join the bags as soon as posh boy got out of the elevator, right. he was on me to join the bags, not F word or the germs. And then, you know, these people. Would, would tell me you got to not don't join the germs they don't have any management or label interest you know no, no, no you know they're terrible they're no, nobody manners. likes them they're just bad they're not going anywhere you know they're just a joke band and I, i'm sorry guys but i'm not interested in your band with label interest or management or whatever it is because I, i'm just here to join the germs and i'm sorry to burst your bubble but i'm not just like gonna join your band even though I did end up playing with the skulls before I played with the germs, because the germs were taking so long to try me out and do right, anything with right. me. I was present at the Lexicon Devil recording, though, and I was part of the band then. Did you play on that? Nope. The Nikki beat did Nikki all B. that. All three of those songs. He yeah. did a great job too, I must say. Well, he was kind of great. He's he a great, great drummer. He yeah. was a great drummer then, you know. It's yeah. better. He was better then than I'll ever be. Let's put it that way. And it's like it, you know, that guy was untouchable on drums. Him you and know Chuck I, Biscuits, I no, remember, untouchable.
0: I remember reading this thing somewhere. Different, but untouchable. maybe in, the, in that Germs book. But it, it somehow it said that you and then maybe Pat, like you created this little drum. Bass, oh yeah, me and Pat. Bass. Yeah, it's and true. Created this little, what is it, like? A and other people, free people say Nikki thing?
1: did, but but
0: Nikki says it was you. Yeah, it was. Yeah, but, it, but basically, because I played different than Nikki. And it's the Nikki. basis for hardcore. It's yeah. the Basis for hardcore punk.
1: I know. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to start <laughs> like, that. I didn't know. Now, talk about that. Okay. It was just how I played. I was born. I'm, I'm not bad. I was born that way. There's something that interests me. The whole. I mean, all this interests me. You the, know why, the, why it, was it was like that? no because i didn't do the forbidden beat which hardcore people did that's what i don't understand it's like christians now compared to christ then you know it's like what (laughs) you know these evangelical like nra you know weirdos but but anyway it's it's like what i did was i tried to bring like, I was no good. I could barely play the drums. I had no idea what I was doing, but I had a lot of energy. And the guys I listened to were gods. Like, I listened to Guy Evans from Van de Graaff Generator and the, you know, the McDonald guy from King Crimson and Bill Bruford, too, even though his snare was Travis Barker-Gay. <clears throat> you know, but it, you know, I listen to all these guys. I listen to Phil Collins, who was great, by the way, yeah. as a drummer, yeah. and he did a mean Peter Gabriel impersonation on that Trick of the Tail album what's too. Why, yeah. It was insane. I'm like, really? That's not Peter Gabriel? Whoa!
0: But once the germs uh, start going, you're in the germs, they're going. Yes, yeah, so a year later,
1: I finally get in the, get auditioned for the Germs yeah. in the mass bathroom in that famous scene from my book, which you can get from What's Left of Feral House.
0: That's a great book.
1: Thank I feel you. That, that you were in it
0: I know I feel like and I you helped it be great me. but I think that uh there's two essential books on LA Punk that book and then the book I wrote I mean I don't know I mean this is a very egotistical thing to say but it's a segue into the next That question. book was
1: really good and, and you know what I almost wish you hadn't have written that genius book Prisoner of X because it is about maybe less than half as funny but it, you really set the bar too high for yourself with that prisoner of X. If you have to be that funny all the time, I think, I think you were just being honest and like just telling it like it was, and you happened to be really funny is what I think. I but, think
0: I was insecure. When I'm insecure, I try to be funny. And so then with the well, book, it worked. Maybe it was, I was had more security, so I didn't <laughs> it was so funny. Thank you, it's very nice of you to say so. Now listen, okay. It was one of the
1: funniest books ever, and and everyone I know that's read it uh, is is in agreement.
0: You know, I've gotten some good feedback on that book from people that I. Really I like appreciate. the other one.
1: Don't 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 get me wrong. I like the other one fine. The punk one, you say? Yeah, but if you'd never if you'd never written that other book, I would think that was the greatest thing ever. But you know. You wrote that other book, that and that's even, it's even funnier. The
0: Prisoner
1: of X. I mean, you know, of course I like the subject matter of the, <laughs> the other one because it includes me, yeah. but, um, you know, and I, I like me okay. It's my job <laughs> here as this node. It's part of this weird organism.
0: How did you, okay, here's the thing <laughs> I, what I'm trying to get at. The germs, okay, a year later, a year later, like the whole audience has completely changed. The whole, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, the girls are all gone from the up front. Pubic hair appeared. Yeah, the whole <laughs> thing has changed. Uh, how did you morph? How did you manage to like stay? Because I just left. I grew my hair people, long. A lot of people just left. I grew my hair long. Is that all? It I took? wore striped shirts.
1: I, I emulated the the Who and Velvet Underground looks, and um and, and did that consciously and then I dressed in drag as much as I possibly could because hey you know I could I was young and cute. Did you dress in
0: drag as you were playing with the germs like during that kind of hardcore period? Oh no the
1: germs was a specific thing I wasn't going to do un germs things with the germs I mean the only thing I did that was less than germy was play Uh, Faust beats from Faust albums in between songs while Pat would try to fix his pedals which was three minutes between every one and a half minute song thank God it was like that too because I was asthmatic I couldn't have done a germ set if we didn't have those three minute breaks I couldn't have done one germ set I would have died
0: but is it because I, there's all this stuff about the germs. There's all this stuff about how, um, like, Darby had to hide that he was gay because the crowd, because that the. That is the weird, and we, you know, in. we didn't
1: understand it. Like, we would joke with him about it, and, and it, it, like, I used, I always carried a copy of the Hanky color code with me just so I'd know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and we used to, we used to ask Darby, hey, what color Hanky are you wearing today? Well, you know, and stuff, and th- because we knew about it, we didn't care. Well, we we did thought it mean? was funny. Like, Our manager was a pedophile well, for. For fuck's sake. Who was that? Uncle Bruce. Oh, I didn't know him. No, good. But, uh, you were too old for him. I was too old exactly.
0: no. I was too old for everybody there. No, I but was like, too old for him, too. The we were friends. Like but, that, yeah. that's, like, I, I you weren't at the mask that much because you were yeah. you up, was already the mask I was,
1: at, I, was, I was at the mask after the mask benefit, yeah. but I was at the mask a few times before sure. that. In well, fact,
0: remember, but it was I the, met the
1: naughty women outside the mask, and they all remember it, although I, I kind of don't. But, but I'm sure that, it's true.
0: But the spectrum that was there... There is no need to hide being no. gay. No. I like, mean, like,
1: people, I'm not going to mention their names, but, you know, there were active male Hollywood Boulevard hustlers that were a yeah, big part of the because, scene. Yeah,
0: because that was only 40 and yards parts, away. And parts of
1: bands I played with, not the germs. Yeah. But, but because the
0: primary hustling spot.
1: But Darby did go for those guys <laughs> sometimes. He liked the young skateboard guys. Yeah.
0: And the Gold Cup was like 40 Well,
1: yards he loved Donnie 40. Rose. Apparently yeah. Donnie Rose was exceedingly hung
0: i seen a photo, so I. It's I, I don't so know, I don't weird. Know, and yeah, that's
1: how you know you got the an comics. original first pressing yeah. of yeah. that book, you know, yeah. f- or first print. Gosh, I, I think in record terms, how embarrassing. But
0: that was just such a fucked up thing that it became something where you Well, you, had you know, heroin, heroin like, also like makes, you,
1: makes you, makes um, you. it eventually makes you serious, especially when coupled with hard alcohol. I tried to stay away from hard alcohol, although we drank it sometimes. You know, we were, you know, social drinkers, Dinah Cancer and Cutler and I, but. Cutler and I would drink lots of beer and do lots of acid yeah. and smoke lots of weed, yeah. you know, and that was our thing.
0: Who uh, who, who do you miss the most about Who's Gone? Like who dropped? Uh, I don't know. Race. I miss
1: Rob, I miss Mikey Borns, I miss Johnny Precious. You know, that guy's one of the first to drop. I even miss David Wiley a little. I wish he wouldn't have fucked up and become a junkie secretly and stole everyone's records.
0: Yeah. And Randy, all and oh, my hands soap, cream,
1: residence Donnie. records. Yeah, of course, Darby and Randy. You know, yeah. geez, of course. You know, uh, I don't know how you could not miss Darby. He, he was as close to a Jesus Hitler uh, kind of uh, uh, person as we're ever gonna get. And well, the- he was, he was amazing. He was like a not a cult leader per se, but definitely uh someone worthy of a cult
0: he was someone who had not even started yeah he really had not even started yeah he
1: screwed up he did he did heroin hung out with amber which was a big mistake that do wonders for your self-esteem i'm sure and, and he was rejected by rob henley who was his like the post donnie love and both of those guys he had to kind of coerce a little bit it's sad but you know they were straight guys basically and, uh, they, but they gave it up for Darby because he was, you know, it was yeah. cool. Rick L. Rick, we don't know if he gave it up or not, but but we know that, that Darby really tried and yeah. talked about the Greeks and the Romans to him and stuff. <laughs> but you know what? I don't say this to slander Darby. It's like, Jesus, what have I done? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know I've done gayer stuff than him and I'm not yeah, even that gay yeah. you know it's like who cares Why you know I do don't it? care about all that stuff we're just like these meat computers with no fuck, fucking reason to be here and we're lucky we get to even sense things and enjoy shit you know yeah let alone like have it be meaningful in some way I mean come on that's a little too much to ask you gotta you got to come up with meanings for this shit yeah. it's just stupid we're apes for fuck's sake. <laughs> We're, you know, we're, we're actually literally chimpanzees. You're People don't, back. like, even look at things. They'll Wikipedia, the, the, you know, they'll Google themselves, you know, but they won't Google the fact that they're chimpanzees, and the, and they don't get it, and it's true, the, we the are. We, we, we th- want to th- be, like, yeah. space chimps, you know, and, like, yeah. groove to Noy Records and 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 and, 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 and uh, zone out to Dream Machines while reading, you know, like, Third Mind Burroughs Geisen cut-ups, but, you know, um, that but we're still apes.
0: And that, my monkey friends, is how we will end today's Skeeve Land. This edition of Skeeve Land is, is presented with encouragement and assistance from Rare Bird Books. If you want to know more about the Skeeve or Alan MacDonnell or Rare Bird Books, go to the theskeeve.com and rarebirdbooks.com. Thanks again to Tyson Cornell and Julie Callahan and Jessica S. Skeeve Land. It's not the worst place you could be.